Welcome to Locked On Nuggets, the daily Denver Nuggets podcast, part of the Locked On Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. Enjoyment isn't the end of the game, it's the whole game. And only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. And I have a feeling many Nuggets fans enjoyed the Jazz absolutely collapsing once again. Today's episode is, uh, I am sorry that we've been light on episodes. Basically what happened was I was out and then I came back and got sick. And then Adam has family stuff going on and we're both trying to detox from the nugget season, but I'm still trying to handle stuff. So schedule was light this week. We'll be back on normal schedule next week for you guys. I am very excited tonight to bring you Ryan Blackburn from denverstiffs.com editor in chief site manager, um, grand inquisitor. I I don't know, like whether titles you want, um, (laughs) Lord, Lord I'll take grand master. That sounds, that sounds pretty good. Lord of the Nuggets Dimension. That's <laughs> I can get put that one. I I that's, that's probably Katie. Katie, Katie uh, probably yeah. Lord of the of the Nuggets Dimension. Yeah, I could I could definitely see that. Uh, we we've got we've got a, a variety of candidates for uh, just the different uh, serfs that are that are around. But <laughs> I, I I can give Katie Lord. That's 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 fair. So we're going to talk about defense today. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about defense and how important it is. Um, Ryan has some tweets when he was watching some playoff games and I thought they were interesting and he and I've been kind of going back and forth. I know that we're kind of like talking and thinking about the same kind of things. And so I want to get him on to talk about it. So, right. Let's start here. We just saw the defensive player of the year. Once again, find himself on the wrong end of a playoff matchup in which the opponent went small and they could not counter that they switched everything. And because Rudy Gobert can't score on his own, at all can't put pressure on the defense at all and can't contain in space well enough did fine on the ball handler but they hit a lot of three-pointers out on him because he couldn't get distance out in space um so i think that there's something to be said for the fact of you could take this in a couple ways you could say like well look the jazz have this great defense and the, the great defense player of the year it doesn't matter so do you really need like the, the Clippers won this series with offense? And I, I would agree with that. I think what the overall numbers of the series don't really tell the tale because basically what happened was like the jazz got super comfortable and would just bomb. And then the Clippers right. would switch and eventually they, the jazz would grind down and the Clippers would surge. And that's what happened over the last two games. And so what we're seeing is the Hawks are giving the Sixers all sorts of trouble. The Sixers may get out of it just because they're, they have more talent. But they're given the, the the Sixers absolute fits right now because MB can't switch. They have to run drop, which means Trey Young gets that floater every single time. And when MB tries to step up on him, Capella has the backside lob. And when he doesn't, when he plays Capella on the lob, Trey's got the floater all day. And if they bring help, Young's whipping passes to the corner. And that's not going to be it. Like that's the problem the Nuggets are going to run into over and over and over again. Now their solve in the past has been okay, we're going to put so much pressure on the ball hand that we're just going to get the ball out of his hands. We're not going to, we're not right. going to defend. But the problem was versus the Suns that the Suns were like, cool, we're totally good with that. We have two amazing passers that are going to absolutely be able to handle your pressure. Oh, and your MVP is exhausted from playing 72 games. And and to be clear, they were amazing. Like that, mm-hmm. I think what really stands out in that series was that the Suns were the best version of themselves and they were over and over and over again and just complete, completely bashed Denver over the head with a hammer on all of those different pressure points that Denver has, given the fact that they don't have a lot of their personnel. And even if they had that personnel, they would have still run into some issues. They would have had some more solves, but I think you're right. I think that Denver, they are going to run into a lot of these issues. Uh, one of the biggest ones is that versatility is king. And the Nuggets don't have a super versatile defensive center. Nikola Jokic is possibly the greatest offensive center of all time, given what he's done and given what he's probably going to continue to do. But that versatility doesn't extend to the defensive end for obvious reasons. He's not a rim protector. He can't do the normal drop coverage stuff that the the Jazz do with Rudy Gobert to be a great defense during the regular season. And same with Joel Embiid. Uh, He can't switch. Uh, there he gets taken advantage of in isolations. And so there's a lot of times 
where the Nuggets get a little bit lucky, but you saw with the with the Suns when they were able to exploit that, it was Chris Paul and Devin Booker exploiting it every single time. Uh, so I I'm with you that this the defense is going to be a big problem, but I think all of these three centers, uh, Rudy Gobert, Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic, they've all experienced this in vastly different ways. And so I just think it's fascinating to hear about the center defense and how it's going to continue to pre- present itself in future years. Well, it's like, you know, there is a, a feeling of helplessness because it's like, what are you supposed to do? You know, like, yeah. Gobert's, you know, all the analytics, which I like, up until the point where people start saying Rudy Gobert is like one of the five most impactful players in the league. That's where I'm like, let's just guys. <laughs> there's, there's a, there's a threshold here. Yeah. And, and the threshold is if you can put him on an Island and take away what he does well, like they, the, the jazz had to put out too many fires and, and that's what Rudy does well, but he can't also defend his man when that man is Terrence man, literally going haywire and shooting all of those threes and being able to do those things. So I, I, I have a lot of problems with the Rudy Gobert stuff. Uh, there was a lot of discussion just last year about whether Jokic or Gobert was the most impactful center in the NBA due to analytics. And uh, there's, I think that question has been thoroughly answered of course, but it is what it is. Yeah. I, I think. So, so part of this is you have to be able to put pressure on the other side. So that's the, the good news with the nuggets is in most situations like this, I thought it was really notable. Like the Suns didn't try Saric versus Jokic. Like they did not. They used that because they knew they could get away with it versus Jermichael Green and Paul Millsap. And you know, whether you think that Malone should have played JaVale and if that was like, look, you can make the argument that maybe they win a game or two if they win the bench minutes. If the Nuggets don't win the Jokic minutes, they lose the series. Like, I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you, by the way. I was I was a staunch JaVale McGee supporter after that trade was made, and you were one of the first people that came to me and said, hey, I, I don't know if this is how that's going to work. And and to your credit, and, and I think this is really borne out, you're absolutely right. Uh, the Nuggets were right to play Paul Millsap and Jermichael Green in both of those series, and it's just the fact that those guys couldn't match up. I think this is the problem that we're seeing with all these centers and what we just saw with the Blazers and what we just saw with the Clippers and the Suns and all these teams that when, when you don't have a big lumbering center and you can just switch everything, sometimes it makes things easier uh, for yourself in both situations. And I think what we saw with the Clippers, uh, it, it really just stands out that it, it's kind of breaking basketball and breaking center defense in this way. And I just don't know if it's ever coming back. I mean, I think it, I think it is just from the perspective of like, the, here's the big thing you have to be able to punish on the other end. So like the Suns couldn't play small ball versus Jokic because he would have absolutely eviscerated them. And we saw that in the Portland series. Like you can't put us, you can't play small ball versus him. He puts you, especially if he actually has a point guard, like he's talked about this. He puts the small in pick and roll actions and kills them with it. Um, And B can do that. Right. So like Mm -hmm. you can't, if they, if the Nets win tomorrow, and the Nets advance all of this. Ooh, we're going to play Blake Griffin and Nick Claxton and Jeff Green. Nope. Welcome back DeAndre Jordan, because you can't do that versus Joel, because even if you're scoring on the other end, Joel is literally just going to be drawing fouls and scoring on you every single time. And that's like one of this is, this to me is like a big component. You got to attack it because you got to basically break it. This is the problem with the jazz is when the Clippers did that, when the Clippers are like, yeah, we're going to guard Rudy Gobert with Nick Batum. If Rudy Gobert is one of the five most impactful players in the in the fucking NBA, get him the ball and let the man put the ball in the hoop. Just a little turnaround, like drop hook. Like they, they never they never went to it. And this is a, this is a problem with the Jazz. Like all for the entire time during these last two years is that any time a team has and it even goes back further than that to the Houston Rockets series, like multiple of them. That this has been an ongoing thing with Rudy Gobert. That if you cannot punish the other team for doing all of the switching stuff, like switching Reggie Jackson onto you, switching Terrence Mann onto you, like it, it's just impossible to to consider yourself one of those top completely great impact options. Uh, so it's, it's going to be fascinating. Like I, I just keep coming back to uh, the fact that regular season and playoffs is just so different because of these matchup 
uh, issues. And when you have the opportunity to kind of dig into some of these matchup consistency things uh, that if, if you can find a way to exploit the one weakness, just one, and, and that's Rudy Gobert's biggest weakness, then you have a chance, even when you don't have Kawhi Leonard, even when you don't have like a, a massive supporting cast around Paul George, it really stands out that they, they were starting Marcus Morris at center for the entire series, the entire series. We'll take a break here in a second. I, I think my big thing with it is my concern, I think, after all this, is I really am sold on this concept, and I've talked about this with Adam so much. The playoffs are entirely about can you solve the problem in front of you? Like, mm-hmm. the Nuggets can win a title if they face teams that don't have the ability to do what the Suns did. But, like, Phoenix? I mean, look, Chris Paul has said he's going to activate his option. So we'll see, right? Like, he may want to – we'll see what he does. Um but if he comes back, you know, the Suns are going to be right back here and be as good as they were, even if they're not as good. I think they're in a special, they're having a special season, the same way the Blazers had one in 2019. And the Nuggets honestly had one in 2020 inside right. of a bubble with no fans because they're the Nuggets. Um, and then, <laughs> and then it's laughable. Yeah. And then the Suns are having it this year. Like this is just their year. They may not be as good next year and the injuries and yada, yada, yada. But like, I do think the biggest thing is the Suns can solve problems. The Clippers can solve problems. The Nuggets did hit, the Nuggets had done a very good job of solving problems, but they hit the combo of if you have two ball handlers that can both create. Now, look, the primary threat's the Lakers, and I think they're much better built for the Lakers than they were a year ago. I think Aaron Gordon helps, MPJ's development helps, especially after he got embarrassed again. Hopefully he comes back and focuses more, um, you know, with Jamal. And like, I think that they'll probably add more defenders in the off season. I think they're better built to, to face the Lakers than they were a year ago. And right. I see, I still think they match up very well with the Clippers because the Clippers can't pull this small ball stuff versus Jokic. Like they have to keep zoo on the floor. Like if, if the nuggets had gotten the Clippers, even the, without Jamal, they're probably beating them because they're able to break those things. The Clippers don't have a solve for Jokic right? Then the Suns, quite honestly, had a solve for Jokic because of how well Aiton played. Yeah, Jokic did his thing, but the Suns were like, he's making him work, he's wearing him down, he's and he's scoring. And as long as he's doing that and he's containing and pick and roll, we're fine. And that was, that was what it took. So like the biggest thing is just, I do think the Nuggets are going to have to look at how do we build a roster where we have more options to go to and how do you build a scheme where, you know, I don't think you can ask Joker to, to, to switch. I just don't think you can reliably do that. So how do you get around it? Like what, what's the solve for that? No matter what it is, whether it's zone or something else, they're going to have to figure out those questions. I think as, as it goes on, Um, let's talk a little bit more about the importance of defense. We'll do that when we come back on Locked On Nuggets. But first, I want to say about Rock Auto. It's a great place to get car parts, Ryan. Do you have a car, Ryan? I, I do happen to have a car, Matt. Okay, if you need anything for your car, let me know because rockauto.com <clears throat> has you completely set. Um, the other thing is if you go into like a, if you're trying to get something, just anything, anything for your car, carpeting, tail lamp, motor oil, whatever, you go into one of these big box stores and they're going to have a different price for a mechanic than they do for you. They don't care about you, Ryan. They don't care about you. They don't respect you. They don't love you. The rockauto.com prices are the same for everybody, Ryan. You I need a drive. I need all I need is a drive belt, man. That's that's all I need. They, they they told me I needed a drive belt, and I had no idea what that was until, <laughs> until they explained it to me. Uh, but now I do. I, I pointed to my car seat, and uh, and they they told me differently there. <laughs> <laughs> you, me, Adam, everyone, Jokic. Even though he doesn't drive cars anymore, he just drives horses. All of us get the same prices at rockauto.com. It doesn't require membership or an account login. They're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in there. How did you hear about us box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. We'll be right back on Locked On Nuggets with Ryan Blackburn.
down the road to the finals or NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. And at 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, you can all enjoy the games a little more this season. Back here with Ryan Blackburn from DenverStiffs.com. Talking nuggets and talking defense. Um, so let me ask you, if is it – I've argued with, with Adam about this a lot. And um, I don't but, think I've ever convinced him, which is great. <laughs> but can you – just win an NBA title with just offense? No, no, I, I don't I don't think so. And I as someone who is often propping up the value of just being able to outscore the opponents, there are certain things that you have to be able to do, especially towards the end of games, last six minutes of the fourth quarter, last three minutes of the fourth quarter, where you have to find that key stop, that key sequence where you you get out and transition a little bit, where you find that that clutch rebound and, and get that clutch stop. Uh, if you don't do that, there are going to be enough teams, especially with the talent that's in the NBA right now, there are going to be enough teams that are just going to outscore you and they're going to do it four out of seven times in a series. Uh, that That is generally my opinion. Uh, Denver in their current makeup, they've, they've got a lot of offensive guys. So I understand why you're asking this question and given the Michael Porter question that we have given already Jamal Murray and, and Nikola Jokic, like they're, they're offensively focused guys for a reason. Uh, it, it's going to be difficult to build a good defense around Jokic, Murray and Porter consistently. I think that they're on track to do it, but it's going to be hard. I feel like after watching these playoffs, they need a middle point between Paul Millsap, preferably like a 2014 ish Paul Millsap and sure. And, and JaVale, they need like the middle point between those two. They need a guy that's like got size and can switch, but can also stretch the floor. And that, that's a tough order. Like there aren't a lot of guys like that. And, and one that is also that you can also go to for those offensive sequences that, that can't be taken out of their stuff. Uh, by just being a three and D option or just being a, like if you switch them onto a guard, uh, can they post up that player? That's exactly what you're talking about, I think, here. Somebody that can really just push those pressure points and, and always have an answer to the question that you throw their way. Uh, we, we've talked to Zeke Naji or, or talked about Zeke Naji with uh, Tim Connolly earlier today, and, and I thought that he had some pretty interesting discussions about that, saying that, hey, Zeke might play a larger role next year and just to maybe expect that. Uh, is is he a guy that that could fill that role? Like, I I don't know if you're looking for somebody who's a little bit more entrenched here. Yeah, I mean Zeke's six nine two forty. As he builds out, I think so. Like it was crazy. Zeke played like small forward this season. Like, yeah, it's weird. I mean, I mean, it was it was wild how much differently his game was than what we kind of thought. Which is they they basically wanted to draft a center. You know, they they wanted a bunch of different guys. They wanted Precious. They wanted um Stewart. Stewart was on the list too. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think that that's maybe an option, but I, I guess here's like a, here's a, a really outlandish question. Okay. Okay. If push comes to shove and the nuggets are in a series and they're doing like, everyone's playing really well offensively, like MPJ is killing it. And Jamal's having a great series and Nicole is doing his thing, but they keep targeting him on defense. Would you ever, 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 ever consider, like, you're not going to be in a position to make this decision, but would you ever be, have, have the mindset of, you know, maybe they should bench Joker? Uh, ooh, it's, that's, that's what having a big three is all about, right? It's, it's being able to make up for some of those choices, being able to make up for some of that gap, have guys that can, that can really step up in those situations. And, I, I don't know if I, we've clearly haven't seen enough from Murray and Porter on their own uh, in order to think that that's even a realistic possibility at that at this point, but Hey, uh, maybe it is. And maybe at some point it does become that. I just think that Jokic is so entrenched in Denver's identity and, and somebody who they have fully committed to that. It would be really difficult for me to see them bench him. Like even the jazz in this, in this series, in a situation where they definitely needed to bench Gobert and go with five perimeter players, they played him 42 minutes and he was a minus 24. Like you're going to go down with your ship 
And, and even in that situation, like you're going to trust the MVP to figure it out. Uh, it would be really like, it, I, I would, if I were Michael Malone in that situation, I might cry, like thinking about the, the ramifications of that choice I'd have to make. Like everyone's going to listen to me. Like, are you insane? He's the best player. He's the MVP. I get it. I'm just, I'm at the point with where, where the NBA is at that, I just don't honestly see very often it being well, I guess let me, let me back up. It's possible for you to just win because you're the best team. If you're the warriors and you have four hall of famers, the nuggets are not going to have four hall of famers and God willing, we won't have another team that looks like that. Like the nets are close to it, but there's a lot of, there, there's Too many a lot. injury issues. They're, they're past like that. Well, point. it's not just bad. It's like, look, Kyrie's, a phenomenal one-on-one scorer, but not. Yeah, I mean, like in the in the history books, all four of the Warriors, big like the big four, are going to go down ahead of Kyrie. Like that's just a thing. Um, I, you know, that's a fascinating question that maybe maybe we talk about at a different time. But like Kyrie did hit a big game seven shot, and and that's going to prop up his career for a Tony long, Robert long time. Robert Ory, what's your point? Uh, he, yes, you're right. No, I'm just saying, I, I'm just, look, I, I'm just saying, I, I don't, I don't like the fact that we did, we did, we tend to be like, oh, you know what? And then games, and like, he was phenomenal also in game six, like game six, he was a yeah. monster. Um, didn't he have 41 in game five too? Yeah. Like, like he, was, he, he I mean, played, he was, like he played well yeah. in that series. Yeah. So he was, he, well, he, he just had well to be that comeback. guy. Yeah. He was, yeah. he was amazing for sure. Um, I would just say that like, especially defensively. Like, here's one of the things. If Kyrie's on the floor in the series, the Bucks would not be targeting him because the Bucks apparently never understand the idea of targeting anyone. But, like, it, well, I'll say this. If the Nuggets – or if the, um, if the Nets make the finals versus either of these teams, the Clippers or the Suns, and Kyrie was back, that, that's who they're attacking every time down. Like, that, that's who they're going at. Um, So there are cases in which you can just be the best team and you're so much better than everybody else. But it's more likely that it's going to be matchups. It's going to be, do you run into a team that just, you know, yeah. with the Lakers, they didn't run into it last year because the Rockets couldn't get stops. That was their problem was the Rockets didn't really have the shooting and the chemistry was bad. Like the Chris Paul Rockets, I think probably roll over that team. Like, interesting. I do. Okay. I, think they, I think they beat them because there is a model that says that if you shoot a lot of threes, you can beat the Lakers. Like there's, Where was that's... Jeff Green last year? Was he on that Rockets team? I think so. Yeah. That, that feels like a guy that, that would have been able to take advantage of that series, but I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, so... It's just, it's like, the, it's, you, you are right though. Like having, having the ability to completely match up and, and to completely change over what you're doing on a consistent basis based off of your opponent is a really big deal. Jokic isn't matchup dependent from a defensive perspective. And so I think that's where you're getting at here that maybe, maybe there is a situation where you go with somebody like, uh, like superpower Zeke Naji or somebody like yeah. that as your center and, and have the ability to score with Murray and Porter out there, but then Naji is there to kind of clean up the mess defensively or whoever you're speaking of. Uh, it's, it's just not viable. Like I don't know if that player is available. I don't know if the Nuggets can ever get to that position where if they I don't, are... I don't think it's a, I really don't think it's about having a superpower though, Ryan, because it's Marcus Morris and Nick Batum for the Clippers, right? Yeah. Now, I, again, yeah. if it's the Clippers, the Nuggets are going to be able to do it because Jokic can just score on them over and over and over again. And they don't have a dynamic point guard that's going to be like, I'm putting Jokic on an island and I'm attacking him every single time. Or right. I'm going to pass like they don't do well with like if you blitz Paul George, which I imagine the Suns are going to look at some in the series outside of the switch. Like that's a good strategy for getting the ball. Like you get the ball out of his hands. The thing with the Suns, honestly, is that's the one coverage they don't they like they are great at. You would rather put like I know this sounds crazy to everyone that watched Chris Paul just carve Jokic up in that series. I am telling you that the numbers it, the actual field goal percentage, the 
X amount of times that they did Y, the result was Z, tells you that that drop coverage is much more successful versus the Jazz because they're so much more dangerous when they reverse the ball to the weak side and they get those threes. That's yeah. why the Nuggets had to go to drop. Like, yeah. And, and this honestly tells you a lot about the Suns. Do you know how hard it is to get the Nuggets to stop blitzing? Like, it's really difficult. Like, like in, in the Jazz series, when the Nuggets were playing them, they were able to get to that point. Like, they, they had to get to that point. And they just did it over and over again. That's how they got into it. That's that's what they've built their entire identity around. Um, so you're, you're absolutely right. Like not being able to cover that weak side, it was just debilitating for Denver. And it, it's if the Suns continue to do that against most of these teams, that they're going to be an NBA champion. And I don't know, but the problem when I looked at it, when I went back and watched is I really don't know what the counter is. Like you can tag Drummond or not Drummond, sorry, uh, Aiton. That was very, very rude for me. <laughs> I apologize. To um, you can tag Aiton, but you got to be able to tag. Like you have to fake the tag so that Paul doesn't throw the lob and then immediately rush out to cover. And then you got to hope Jay Crowder doesn't hit the three. Like this is, the, I mean, this honestly, their problem with drop coverage the first two years of the Jokic experiment was that they, they did not have the guys that could do that anticipatory closeout stuff and they still don't because it's the hardest stuff in defense right now to do which is why so many teams switch like this is why a lot of teams switch is they're like we're not gonna mess with that we're just gonna guard you straight up and that way we don't have to worry about guys trying to know when to help and when not to but i'm just trying to think of a scenario like here's the thing if you're gonna win a title there may there may come a time when you're in a game maybe it's not a series maybe it's just a game when it's like low look like you need to trust Jamal and MPJ here and you need to keep attacking them with five out. I think but, there's definitely like, like, go ahead. I was just going to say, I can't ever see Mo Malone going for it. I can't ever see him ever see him doing that ever. Even though Joker, I think would be like, no, it's not working. Like I think Joker would be like, no, no, you should stick with this. This is working. Um, I just, I, he's the franchise. Jokic is the franchise. If the Nuggets are at the peak of their powers and, and they have Jokic, Murray, and Porter on the floor, I just find it so difficult to see any team actually stopping them in a playoff environment because, like, that, that's something that we hadn't seen. Like, we didn't see that from Denver this year because they didn't have their star point guard, because they didn't have the guy who can punish those switches, who can punish the drop, and, and who can still get downhill in those situations where they stick to Joker too much. Uh, I think the Porter is going to continue to make progress as you do too. And, and once he's, if he's that guy who can attack in those situations and be proactive in those situations, stay ahead of those defensive rotations when he's catching the ball. And I don't know how those teams stop Denver. And which is why I think if you're Denver and you've got your strength and you have the MVP and he has the ability to be the versatile playmaker, making the right decision every single time. If, if you trust that guy, that's why it's so difficult to come off the floor. That's why it's so difficult because if you can get your, the, the best shot every single time down the floor, all you have to do is get the one time where the opposing team doesn't, they just, they're just looking for the one extra stop for the two extra stops for the three extra stops. And maybe the Suns were just the perfect team to take advantage of Denver at that right time. But don't you honestly think that Denver had some other counters in them if they have their entire roster healthy? I don't know. And that is not, I don't think so. It's, I don't know. It's I agree I, with you, by the way. I go back and forth on, you know, if they're scoring more then they're not taking the, like they're taking the ball out of the, out of the, the back, which gives the Nuggets time to set up their defense um maybe mpj is not as frantic and kind of frazzled and so maybe he's a little bit better on rotations um maybe aaron's got a little bit more pep in his step and able to just focus in on defense alone um there's just i mean there is like there's a lot of stuff that i i agree but at the same time outside of pj dozier i i just can't get there and be like yes having jamal and will would have fundamentally helped with this coverage like i agree i agree with that but here's what i will say just having options as we've seen with this clippers team like think of where they'd be without reggie jackson 
Think mm-hmm. of where they'd be without Terrence Mann. Think of where they'd be without Marcus Morris. Like yeah, all of guy. these guys, like yeah. you just need it. It all snowballs. It mm-hmm. all has the ability to kind of feed off of itself. And you get that emotional boost from somebody on a different night. And you know that Jamal is going to help you get towards the finish line. You know that Nicole is going to help you get towards the finish line. Maybe Porter in that optimized situation is the guy who helps you cross it, but they sure as hell, like if you have Gordon, Dozier, Barton, Morris, even Austin Rivers, then I think you you have other guys that can help you push across. Uh, it's it's too bad that we weren't able to see that fully optimized version because I do think that Denver would have gotten into a situation where they would have staggered Gordon and Porter. They would have been able to not play those guys at the same time, and they would have put those guys, and especially Porter, into a little bit of a better situation where you're just switching it every time and then you're doubling and then you're scrambling and then you're trying to get into that situation a little bit. But I think that down the line, as they continue to develop, as they continue to get older, uh, a little bit more comfortable within themselves and, and trusting Porter a little bit more. And hopefully he pays that back. And, and then maybe this problem is moot. Maybe we're thinking about it the wrong way and thinking, well, they did have enough. They just didn't have enough guys. Hey, Bray, we'll come back and I want to talk about the, the roster specifically. Uh, and I have some, we have some longstanding tension to work out, you and me. We'll do that when we come back. <laughs> Unlocked on Nuggets. First, I want to tell you about Built Bar. It's the delicious protein bar that's amazing. It's got all these flavors like coconut, coconut almond, cherry, raspberry. I'm not mentioning mint brownie because mint is garbage. Peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, and salted caramel. There's something for everyone unless you like mint, mint in which case uh, you need to examine yourself. Um, my favorite is raspberry. It's absolutely delicious. It's white chocolate. It's great. If you haven't tried mm-hmm. them all, you can get a mixed box. We can get two of each of the, of the nine flavors. Most of the flavors have 17 grams of protein, which is great. Only 130 calories, only four grams of sugar, and only four grams of net carbs. I got out for a, and ran a 5k today and felt great about it. It felt so good. Came back about starving because I didn't have lunch. And so I wolfed down a bolt bar. It was terrific. Go to boltbar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at boltbar.com. We'll be right back on LOCKED15. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, Giannis Antetokounmpo and the Milwaukee Bucks stop Kevin Durant and the Brooklyn Nets from sending them home. Get more of the sports news you need in less time the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. Final segment here with Ryan Blackburn from denverstiffs.com. Okay. I do um, just want to say before you get started, I, I am so excited to watch the end of that Bucks-Nets series. Like, game seven there is going to be – like, it is going to be era-defining – in a lot of ways in all likelihood. And, and that, that series has been really impressive to watch also a rock fight at times, Kevin Durant doing Kevin Durant things has been incredible, but Chris Middleton being able to come back and just doing what he's been doing. It's just, it's the playoffs, despite the fact that Denver went out and despite the fact that it's been marred by injuries has just been so incredible and having different faces and having different teams to be able to root for at different times it's been a lot of fun to see. Yeah, it's really compelling. It's really compelling sport. So um, I'm terrified because I love the Bucks and I want good things for them. And they are one of those franchises that just can't seem to get out of its own way. And I love Giannis and I like Chris Middleton. And I love Drew Holiday and yeah. I love Brooke Lopez. Like I love all these guys. And then the, the Nets are just dread to me. They are just like, they are, they are the, the I've talked about them as the, the Brooklyn Nets branding experience. That's what they feel like to me that instead of a, a <laughs> instead of a parade, they're just going to have a branding experience, which will just be like a, a room in Soho that houses like random objects that are vaguely basketball related. And uh, that's what their parade will be. Um, so I want to talk about the roster. So the, the big thing basically over the last two years of you and I uh, bantering back and forth um, has been that you are very big on the excitement of the young talent and i tend to be a little bit more trusting of the veteran guys and we both ultimately like kind of agree which is like there are certain dividing points where we line so like i will tell you right now that while like you have like admitted when Millsap has played well and the value you brought to the table like 
I am of the opinion that unless Paul's willing to come back on a minimum contract, that he's got to be gone. That's where I'm at. And I, yeah. that, that kills me inside. Like I hurt saying those words. Paul Millsap is so underappreciated and he's so <laughs> good. And I don't understand why good things can't happen for Paul Millsap, but he's 36. The Sarich matchup to me is like basically an indicator of like, look, if you can't win that one, that's it. Yeah. It's, it's tough, man. And that, and like, I remember back to a conversation that we had before everything went to hell last year uh, about the different playoff matchups where I would trust Paul Millsap versus trusting Jeremy Grant. And I think you just start to look at the, the switching athletic guys, the athleticism, the ability to just cover a lot of different schemes rather than playing in a traditional state. It really has just caught up to Paul, unfortunately. And I thought he did a really good job in a lot of cases as the backup center this year. I thought that he had a lot of great moments and it it was tough to watch. Sometimes Denver's offense would, would it would, it would stall. It wasn't entirely his fault, not having a lot of guys being able to create some things for him, be able to get out of their own way was an issue. Uh, but like you said, the playoffs are, are really the ultimate indicator here. And there was just one uh, sequence at the end of that fourth or at the beginning of that fourth quarter against the Suns, where it was just really hard to watch Paul going up against Dario Saric. And that's just a, that's a really tough thing. And I hope that people can find it in their hearts to say, Hey, look, Paul has given a great, legit, great four years to the Nuggets organization. He's helped take them from a franchise that was kind of sort of trying to find their way to a franchise that knows exactly who they are because Paul Millsap taught them how to be professional because he helped them along that, that path every step of the way. And I do appreciate that. It's just at that time at this point. Yeah. And so again, if he's willing to come back on a minimum, because he's just like, no, I don't want to move. Like I, my family's here. I want to stay in Denver, et cetera. I I'm good with that. Cause I think he could be a, a break glass in case of emergency guy. I think sure. fine. but they need the biggest thing is like they're gonna have to <laughs> they tried to basically they didn't have good options right they had to trade two guards in order to get aaron gordon they thought that was worth it it was obviously that was worth it um yeah people that were like i still can't believe that after they got swept people called that trade <laughs> i just can't it's can't. it's annoying but the roster was unbalanced they knew they needed another center they knew that hardenstein wasn't the guy ironically our isaiah probably would have helped in the sun series i'm not gonna just gonna say that that like yeah yeah but anyway um you know so they went to javel and the idea with javel was very clearly the lakers like that was to me i still think that was the idea when they got javel was like all right look we needed we got it we got to have another big we can play next to joker if it comes to it um i don't know what the deal what what's going to come of javel next season i don't know if, he, if he'll be back or not I do think what they need is they need an athletic super powered. Like what we've talked about is like, you, you need like a really athletic, super strong dude. I'm not even sure that he needs to be all that like fast. It's more of like jumping and quickness is really the kind of the thing. Okay. Um, the other thing with Paul is a lot of the time I'll say this, people would be frustrated with, with like his shot attempts. And so often it was because the bench unit couldn't create any offense for itself. And so Agreed. he was like the only one that would initiate stuff. Cause everybody else was just kind of like standing around waiting for Monte, like not to mention, there were just certain things that he couldn't do at, at, at a specific point. And, mm-hmm. but being able to create some of those, uh, seven footers that he was pretty good at being able to kind of lean up against the glass, uh, falling away a little bit, like that was a good shot to settle the team down a little bit. So I, that I agree with you that adding a little bit more athleticism, adding a, a guy who you can trust to switch and, and be quick at those quick bursts, uh, but also somebody who can roll to the rim uh, would be a good idea. I, I think this team does need a little bit of traditionalism back in their second unit, uh, just somebody who they can play one, five pick and roll with, but, but will uh, th- there, there are a lot of questions with that too, just given what we've seen in these playoffs. So I, I think that there are questions there as well. A lot of this, again, we get down to like, what if you need to play small? And it's like, well, you can play small with, with, with Michael Green. Like that's, that's viable. They could have done that, but, yep. but you're, you're, you're never going to do that. Cause you have the MVP as a center. Like, so there's that. Um, my last one for you before we go, 
and we'll have a lot. We, I'll, you and I'll be talking about this a lot as I have you on more um, over the summer. Where does how what happened to MPJ's defense, and how did the Nuggets get into the right spot? Hmm. What happened to MPJ's defense? Uh, that is a great question. I'm still looking for it. I, I still haven't been able to find where it disappeared to. Uh, this is something that is going to, in all likelihood, haunt Denver for a while until it's just solved, until he's not the pressure point anymore. Because at this point, it, it's really tough to figure out, okay, was it the back injury? Was the the tweak? Was it the fact that you didn't know where you were supposed to be half the time? Was it the fact that even when you were in the right spot, that the defense just didn't care? that you were in front of them and were shooting anyway. Uh, there were a lot like like Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, they took turns tearing him apart to the point that it was fine that Jay Crowder and Mikhail Bridges also did the same thing. So this is the thing with Porter that despite the fact that he has put up some historical shooting numbers, some just absolutely incredible splits that it's not going to matter unless you can solve the problem in front of you. And he hasn't been able to solve any defensive problems in a playoff series yet. Yeah. Cause like the back injury doesn't vibe with me because of the blazer series. That's that to me is why I can't get there is I'm like, mm, you were having problems in the Portland series. And so look, I think, he was exhausted, but I also, I'll say this, like I wasn't expecting him to be so rattled again. Like that was surprising to me is I thought he would be primed and ready for the moment. And like, yeah, he had the offensive outburst in that first half against Portland, but he made, remember we talked about how much better his defense was. And we asked him about that. And he joked, he was basically like, well, I was basically tired of you guys saying I don't play defense. And it was just a very big, (laughs) big, uh, you know, oh, I don't really know how you work on rebounding in the offseason energy from him. Um, I'm still annoyed that he he gave me. Let me let me just say this. Uh, Devin Booker got pissed off that people were double teaming him in an offseason in a training run. And he floundered for a long time until he didn't until he was able to kind of get back in control of, of the narrative of, of him being a bad defensive player of him not being a winner. Sometimes to take something to click in order for that to happen. And, and MPJ is 22. This is only his second year in the league. He's put a lot of pressure. Like they, they have put a lot of pressure on him. I can't think of another player uh, in their first two years in the league that has had this much pressure put on them for being a negative in a certain aspect. And I think that's like, it, it, it really is. It, it's something I, I don't, I don't know how to deal with it because on one hand you can see the talent on one hand, you can see what he provides, but on the other hand, you have to win games and find ways to do so with him. If you're going to pay him a max contract, and that's the question that the Nuggets are facing themselves over the course of these next two months. And I thought that Tim Connolly sort of gave the indication that he was fine to just hand that out. And so I think that's interesting. I, I agree with you on the, like, it was a problem until it wasn't like, that's like a, that's a pretty sal- like salient point is like, it was a problem until it wasn't. Cause like, honestly, you know, when people talk about Jokic, it's very easy to rewrite the narrative and be like, well, he, he wasn't really that bad in the beginning. They just need to find the same skin. No, he was terrible. Like Jokic was uniformly awful defensively until they asked him, Hey, how do you want to defend? And he was like, I hate drop. Like he said that yeah. like wasn't told us that like, no, like I hate like he would Jokic told them. I hate drop. I don't know whether to, to get, because it makes sense because Jokic is a guy that thinks about a lot of options all the time. And so if you're in drop, you're constantly trying to be like, okay, I got to guard the back guy, but I also got to guard the front guy, but the back guy and the front, 
can't put a bird in that position, Ryan. You can't have a bird trying to do two things at once. <laughs> Especially when when the perimeter player is letting him go two on one every single yeah. time. Like that's yeah. just that's just never gonna work. Like he's gonna look back and forth too many times. Exactly. So and like there's nothing like I'll just say this, like MPJ's, you know, there's not like a schematic thing you can switch. Like, do like they're gonna switch everything and he's gonna have to make rotations on the weak side. And if they're gonna switch everything, then I will I'll I mean I'll say this, like if they're gonna run that, if they're gonna run as many DHOs and that kind of stuff at him. I do think that maybe the counter next time is let's get, I would say that they need to get MPJ better at the level of the screen and just treat him a lot like Jokic in pick and roll action. I Mm. think off ball, it's fine to switch him. Like, I think that's fine. Like if it's CJ McCollum, fine. We'll switch him on to CJ. That's fine. Right. But when it's, Dame in particular, that's one where I'm like, okay, if he's got the ball in his hands and it's a DHO action, blitz it. Just blitz everything. Cause like that's their scheme with, with Joker. And that was kind of the difference was when they added Gordon, they went to, we're going to switch everything except one five. One five is the only thing that we're not going to, that we're not going to switch. And it worked, but the blazers were like, well, we're just going to run a DHO uh mpj and that's all we're gonna do every single time and so i think maybe the the action there is like look have porter get aggressive at the level you know he's big he's athletic i don't love his hands he's gonna have to learn how not to foul but that's probably like the path to getting it to where it's like no no no, no. you don't want to you don't want this 610 dude swarming you with aaron gordon coming over the top two like that's that you're putting in a pressure situation there. Like you just want to basically make it to where, again, these are all pressure points. It's the same with Gobert. Like you just want Gobert to be able to score enough times where it's like, man, we can't play small. He's just killing us. Like we're giving up layups every single time down the court. And with, on, with M, with MVG on defense, you just want to be like, no, like this is just not a, we, I don't want to attack him. We just want to run our stuff. I don't want to attack MPJ. It's, it's a, it is a minus EV proposition. One of the final points I want to make about him is given the injury stuff, uh, we've always talked about the back. The one thing that that never really gets mentioned is the drop foot, uh, something that he had at the beginning of when he was trying to come back. It, it held him out of summer league the first time. Uh, he's had that uh, resistance band on his leg for two years. And it, drop foot is, is as, as it's been explained to me, drop foot is a nerve injury that takes a long time to heal. And from where the drop foot occurs, that nerve has to go all the way back up the, le- all the all the way back up the leg. And it takes a long time in order to do that. So I wonder if after he gets into the gym, into the weight room, builds up his legs a little bit more, gives it an opportunity to kind of play a little bit more like a traditional four, like with, with his body, because he, he's so skinny in the legs right now that it's it's hard to think about what he's doing out there and whether he can play a fundamental defensive position most of the time. Uh, I think that there is something to that. There's something to, to the development, to the physical development that he's still going to undergo, uh, but also to the mental development and, and being able to execute certain coverages. Because one thing that really stands out in these playoffs is that I never knew from kind of play to play, game to game, what kind of defensive coverage he was going to be running when teams attacked him. Sometimes it was the the weird blitz where he would come out at the top of the, like when they're at the, the uh, center circle and Dames had, had, had his man come out to the top and he would come out to the side and like play, play his right hand and then try to get back. It was very weird. Sometimes he would blitz. Sometimes he would drop. Sometimes he would switch. They tried a lot of different things. I, there wasn't a lot of uniformity there and they need to find something that works blitz coverage uh, and playing at the level works for Jokic. Maybe that's what works for MPJ. They have had a couple years to where they figured out, okay, we've seen these, these last two years on tape with them. Now we have to just like, we have to figure out what is going to work with him in order to keep him on the floor. Because if you can, We've, we've just talked about it. The offense is going to be unstoppable if they can do that. If they can have Murray Porter and Jokic on the floor in the playoffs after a year of development for Porter, after Murray comes back from an injury, we'll see how ready he is. 
I still think this team can be like, like a historically great offensive team. If all those guys are playing at the peak of their powers at that point, you just need to solve a couple problems. Not all of them. You know, whose handle was really bad early in his career. Whose handle? Kevin Durant. Mm. No kidding. I mean, light years beyond MPJs. Want to be very clear on that. Um, <laughs> but relative to the rest of his skills is more of what I mean. Yeah. Because Katie would get attacked a lot and his body, he struggled with positioning too. He couldn't get the ball because he was too wiry. And so teams knew they could just bump him and bump him and bump him and really body him and deny him the ball. That was a real problem for a couple of years. That um, sounds familiar. And so I think a lot of it with MPJ is honestly, it's like, he's already like, he looks so muscular, but it is like it's strength and it's handle. And the good news is, is like, look, handle something they can work on. And he, like his training staff will work on that. That's going to be what they do this summer is he's just going to run. Oh, yeah. Like he's just going to be running on ball stuff because it's time. Like it's time for him to start running pick and roll. It's time for him to start running, like for him to start running the offense. Sometimes um, it was time. And, and the fact that they hadn't done it, uh, it, it sort of handicapped them in the playoffs from an offensive perspective. But at the same time, I can't blame them, Ryan, because of how bad he was. Like it's a chicken and the egg problem, which is like, well, yeah, you didn't run any, you, you never gave him the ball. So of course he sure. struggled in the playoffs, but then it's like, no, we didn't give him the ball because when we gave him the ball, as you saw in the playoffs, <laughs> he gets it stolen because his handle isn't good enough. Like it's a chicken and the egg problem, right? Like, yeah. I, and that's one where I genuinely wonder if some of that's like the stuff in practice that we don't see, you know? Like if, if yeah. Monte or Shaq Harrison or whoever was just poking the ball out constantly and the coaches were just like, if we put him in pick and roll, he's just going to lose it, you know? And like, you don't know, Maybe. this is the thing. Like, you don't know um, because, <laughs> because you have bowl bowl. Yeah. So, uh, all right. That's Ryan Blackburn from denverstiffs.com. You should check him out on Twitter and follow all his great work at denverstiffs.com. Thank you so much for staying up on a Friday night with me, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Of course, I, I very much enjoyed these playoffs and, and always happy to have a conversation with you. Guys. All right, we'll be back next week with Locked On Nuggets. Adam and I will be back on Sunday night going into Monday. Full slate of shows next week. I promise you people, we'll be back next week. Thanks for, for bearing with us. Hope you guys are recovering from the season pretty well. Enjoy the playoffs. We'll talk to you guys again on Monday with another edition of Locked On Nuggets.